we give a little a recap of where we're holding in the Torah, um, B'nai Yaakov or B'nai Israel came down from uh, the land to Mitzrayim, and they came because there was a famine in the land, uh, meaning they were hungry. And that's already an experience that I think we can identify with, uh, being hungry or being thirsty uh, for something which isn't in our lives right now. In fact, there's a, a brilliant um, uh, person named Andrew T. Austin who does uh, really powerful uh, change work, and he has uh, a whole approach to, uh, to weight loss based on uh, neurolinguistics. And he points out, he says, if you think, and we can do this right now to get a taste of it, pun intended. Um, if you think about something that's lacking in, in your life, something that you're wanting that you don't have right now, and think what taste goes with that. Is it sweet or sour or salty or bitter or tart? <laughs> okay. And, uh, and then think about, you know, uh, what foods uh, you're drawn to and what you might be drawn to, especially when you're feeling the lack of that thing. So that's quite a powerful awareness to have about the way that we substitute some experience for that which we're actually seeking. So, uh, so we have, I think, so we have that sense, you know, like... Uh, like our forefathers, we're, hung we're hungry for something that we're not finding. And so we start off uh, searching, where, where will I find it? And if we make it past the chocolate and the cake and the maple syrup, then we go along this path, seeking where will I be actually nourished from. Um, and they find their, their way to Mitzrayim. And at first in Mitzrayim, they are indeed well taken care of uh, by, by Yosef. Uh, and that's true also of our lives, that we find certain things in our lives which uh, seem to provide fulfillment, satisfaction, nourishment. And maybe some of them really do, and maybe some of them uh, are actually substitutes, like those foods that we eat. Uh, so maybe they, rather than providing a deep soul-nourishing satisfaction, they kind of prop up the ego, for instance. Uh, and that's all fine and well until circumstances shift. And that's what the Sfarimet says happens at the beginning of Sefer Shemot. Anyway, without misquoting, the, the, the Paro who knew Yosef dies. Uh, and the Sfarimet explains what that, what that means is that uh, they realized they were in Galut. Bnei Israel realize that they are in exile, that they're not in the Holy Land. It's like, oh, all of a sudden we thought like, oh, this is great, life is, you know, dandy, I'm on top of the world, and then all of a sudden the world falls out from under me, and I realize, oh, that world I was on, on top of was actually made of cards and not something that's actually reliable and stable. Uh, and, oh boy, look where I am. Uh, and we go through those experiences, right? That's often... Uh, you know, like, uh, that's the crack. Um, and the crack or the crisis, uh, I've noticed that people often have uh, one of two responses to. It's either like, let me put duct tape on it and pretend like it didn't happen and try and force it to stay together, which doesn't.
or let me just run away and give up, which most of us have done so well. And the third option is actually to see that the crack, as Leonard Cohen says, is the place where the light comes in. And the crack is leading us from this uh, reality that we've been living so far to a new possibility, to a world that's actually a world of light, of illumination. Uh, indeed, we have to let everything fall apart and break for that to happen, but it falls apart and breaks so that now there's a whole new spaciousness and a much deeper and a much, uh, much more reliable foundation than that which we were the kind of organizing principle of our lives heretofore. Uh, so this is the, the kind of entrance to Sefer Shmuel, uh, to Exodus. Uh, and uh, so basically, when Israel wake up to themselves in Mitzrayim, which as we know, you know literally is Egypt, um, but comes from the word of Mitzah or Tsar, which is a narrow place. It's a place of constriction, a place where I don't have the sense of spaciousness, or a place to, to be me, of freedom. And uh, the path of Yitziat Mitzrayim, of the exodus, of leaving that place, um, is the path that, that Moshe leads us on. And as such, Moshe is an apt uh, inspirational example for exploring what is the path uh, from that place of constriction uh, to the place of, of freedom, of liberation, of expansiveness. And so after Moshe runs away uh, from Mitzrayim, he finds himself in, uh, in Midian. Uh, and we have these verses. Now Moses was keeping the flock of Yitro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the farthest end of the wilderness and came to the mountain of God and to Horeb. So Moshe was doing his thing, shepherding, going about routes that probably he went about every day. And then, An angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. So that's already something that's quite subtle, right? The difference between a bush which is burning and being consumed and a bush which is not bur which is burning and not being consumed is quite subtle. You have to look quite carefully to see uh, to see the difference. You at least have to stay for some time to see that something's happening here. So there's a paying a very close attention. And then the and Moshe said, I will turn aside now and see this great sight, why the bush is not burning. So that's this point, right? That's the fork in the road. Moshe's going down his uh, usual pathways, the grooves of his neural networks, which are leading him in one way, right? Like if you leave your home and go to work, your feet just kind of take you there, or you just know how to drive, and there's not much attention or intention necessary. And then all of a sudden he, he shows up and says, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a different way and see what see what's possible. What is this thing? 
And there's a midrash which says that actually the burning bush was there since the beginning of creation, which is quite striking. This was there from the beginning of creation, and no one until Moshe actually took care to notice it, to turn aside and say, what is this? Which is, which is quite incredible, and it's borne out even more fully. Anan. Ve'yar Adonai kisar li'ot ve'yikala ve'lohim mitoch asne ve'yomer Moshe, Moshe, ve'yomer inan. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. So that act of Hineni was actually an answer to the fundamental, fundamental question that we're being posed by life. We're, from the Garden of Eden, we're, we're told this. Adam is asked the question, Ayeka, where are you? And he doesn't know how to respond. He says, oh, this happened, and she did that, and then I ran away, and I'm hiding. And the answer to Ayeka, where are you, is here I am. But it's an answer which isn't just about words, saying, oh, yeah, here I am. It's, it's a way of being. The question is, can we live, Hineni? Can we show up fully with a readiness, an openness to what is here, rather than to just keep doing what's familiar, what's safe, what's me, even? Just, oh, this is me. This is my, I'll keep doing it. Might not be working very well, but, but it's safe. Versus meeting what's here and saying Hineni. Opening a space and listening. Listening for the call, listening for the guidance, for the direction. Listening to the whisperer, to the kol de mama daka, to the still small voice. And when Moshe turns aside with that kind of take your shoes off your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. Uh, and that's quite striking in and of itself, and also an instruction for practice. Meaning, what's the difference? Hopefully we know the difference between walking around barefoot and walking with shoes. When one, we actually feel the ground. And that's what Moshe is being told. Take off what is between you and your experience and meet it directly. So in a large part, that's our practice. Can we meet directly what's here? The emotion, the feeling, the body. Not the story. Not getting caught up in the content. But in the life energy of what's here in the present moment. And when we can do that, then it can unfold. Meaning there is a... Some people think like, oh, if I'm not like anxious or afraid, then nothing will happen. I'll just be passive. But it's not true. There is actually a momentum flow to the river of life, and it will take us if we let ourselves trust it, if we let ourselves let go into it. Let go and you will know that I am God. Then that sense of I am God and divine guidance and momentum can take us. But first we have to let go and allow ourselves to fully feel it. It's like, like you know, the word in motion comes from the Latin for to move out. But, you know, we might ask ourselves, how often do we let our emotions really move out, like flow through us? If we allow ourselves to feel them fully, then they will naturally run their course. And then we get, we are in the river of aliveness, rather than stuck in this whirlpool. Here's the motion, I'm going this way. And then we're just stuck on the side of the river. What's also quite striking about this verse is that... Uh, 
is that God says, don't come here. Stay right where you are. Because that place is holy ground. Meaning usually we think like, oh, I need to get to some other place. It'll be there. And what Moshe is being told is actually it's where you are. The question isn't can you get there, but can you get here? How open and awake and sensitive can we be to what's happening right here? With what fineness of uh, resolution can we touch our, our physical experience, our emotional experience, the energy that's alive in us? And noticing the ways, the more we can notice the habits by which we avoid the fullness of life, because there's a kind of wildness to it, so we've often learned to tame ourselves, or we've been tamed. So the more that we learn those ways, we can notice that, and instead of going down those usual paths, we can turn aside to the burning bush, to the place uh, of aliveness, which is a source of renewable energy. It doesn't run out. We're not burning out. We're just alive with the, with the fire of life the fire of our unique soul, our unique purpose and path in this world. And there's a striking difference to end between Moshe's way of being here and what we'll meet uh, in Paro in this week's Parsha, Parshat Vayera, or in the coming Parsha as well, Parshat Bo which is, uh, you know, there's a, a, a shift from the beginning of, Paro's, of Pharaoh's refusal to let uh, the children of Israel go to, like in the first two plagues, to the later plagues. And it's a shift from where, at the beginning, Pharaoh hardens his own heart to where it says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened by God. Uh, and one understanding of that shift is that initially there's a choice. Pharaoh chooses to harden his own heart. And then it just becomes a habit. And then there's no more freedom. Because it's just, an, it's such a deep habit. And what we see here with Moshe is that he's choosing to go a different way. And then when he says to God, who will I tell them that they'll believe me, that sent me? And God says, tell them, that it's who sent me. That it's the eye of the future who can deliver you. That because Moshe is no longer living out simply the uh, momentum of his past and out of his habits, he now is in a place where he can bring freedom to others. Because he's open to a space where his potential, where his future can live in him now, it's from that place that he can inspire trust in other people. That place of freshness, that place of, oh, there's something different happening here. There's something different possible than what I've known so far. It's a place of extraordinary hope. Hope inspired by a person who is a living example of what's possible. Or by touching and more and more living out that within ourselves. Not waiting for one, the one, when it, the day will come. You ever think about that phrase, the day will come? Well, what is going to make that day come? But what if I go towards that day, if I walk towards that day, or if I take the way of being 
of that day and just start being that way now. So then I bring the day. Maybe that's the difference between waiting for Mashiach and bringing Mashiach. Hmm. Yeah, and as a final note, Rav Moshe of Kordun, one of the Hasidic masters, says about this verse, take your shoes off your, uh, off your feet, is actually the, the same root in shoes and feet as in locks and habits. Take the locks off your habits. The manvulim off your hergelim. So when we take the locks off our habits, which we do by being present, by noticing what's happening, and by choosing a different way, choosing to open, to see what else might happen, what else is possible, what other ways of being might bring me more into contact with the fullness and the aliveness and the freshness of my life. And when we practice that again and again, then that becomes our habit. Then we would have to expend energy to do something other than that. That's the way I have to work. We can't buy from the warehouse the same way. So we'll end with that. <laughs>